this is the Fearless Fathers Podcast, a podcast for you, the fathers who suffer in silence every single day. Come with us as we hit those main topics that are just burning through your soul. It's going to get uncomfortable, it's going to be fun, and together we will become fearless. Hello all out there in the interwebs, wherever you are checking us out today on another episode of the Fearless Fathers Podcast. I'm your host, Davo. On the mic with me today, Mr. Ethan Sheen. Ethan, say what's up to our listeners. Hey, what's up, Dave and the Fearless Fathers out there? Hope everybody's doing great. Everybody, I'm sure, is doing great. Tuning in today, checking us out, being fearless as always. We got another interview lined up for you guys. Another fearless father, a guy that I've known, good friend of mine for many, many years, doing his thing, putting in his work, putting in his reps. He agreed to sit down on the mic with me today. 30 year old man with an 11 year old amazing son who moved pretty much halfway around the country from Pennsylvania to Colorado to go follow his passion and go follow his dreams. Currently the chief retail operations officer at Strawberry Field Cannabis in Colorado. So we're going to dive a little bit deep into that as well too. So Ethan, if there's anything I missed, why don't you tell Fearless Fathers a little bit about yourself? Oh, well, I think you hit most of the uh, the big points, you know, um, 30 years old. I got an amazing 11-year-old boy, Avery, who is my absolute world. Uh, everything I do in this life is in regards to him, you know, just making sure that he's happy, healthy, safe, and sane, secure. Uh, you know, that's a large part of me, you know, that's uh, awesome. being the, the chief officer at this cannabis company is a dream of mine, you know, um, you know, it feels like I've reset the pace for a dream, being able to kind of get to the point to where I've been. Can't say it's been easy. Uh, it's definitely been <laughs> difficult in many, many aspects, um, but I wouldn't change it for the world, man. Awesome, man. Awesome. So without further ado, let's just jump right into it. Ethan, the number one burning question on everybody's minds out there today. This is the toughest question we're going to ask all day. What's probably the funniest thing, best thing that your son Avery has done recently? Oh, man. Uh, you know, little man Avery, uh, I may catch some heat for this, Davo. not going to lie. There may be some <laughs> judgment coming from this one, but it's just way too good not to share. Uh, so like you said, Avery, he's an 11-year-old boy, and uh, he and I text, you know, very often. Uh, yeah. Well, last week or the week prior, you know, I'm sitting in my office, and I get a text from Avery. And immediately I see it's, it's a list of 1 to 10, right? I read the first sentence and I just start cracking up, man. Uh, this kid sent me a list of Biggie Smalls' 10 crack commandments. <laughs> just, <laughs> just the first line or so of each rule. You know, it's like, one, never let no one know how much dough you hold. Two, never let them know your next move. You know, so on and so forth. You know, and as a, as a Biggie fan, you know, I thought it was hilarious, yeah. you know. But as a father, man, uh, not so much. You know, I was actually put into a predicament right there, you know. Uh, do I do I denounce the song as it's a bit vulgar and a bit mature for his age? Or do I pull out that cool dad card? You know what I mean? Uh, well, of course, you know, I had to go with the cool dad card. And I followed up with the additional line to each commandment. But it was a great bonding experience. That is <laughs> you know? awesome. Some may say yeah. it's a bit extreme. Uh, but I know who Avery is. And I know what an amazing young man he is. You know, and I guess it's just my fault that he has such a good taste in music. You know? You know what? <laughs> that's, that's the best good fault that he could ever have is following those <laughs> footsteps right there exactly man exactly that's awesome oh that's that's great stuff that's fantastic so jumping into it tell our listeners out there what's one thing that you wish you knew before you became a father uh you know i love that and I, I think that's a great question you know um 
my answer might not be as tangible as it can be, but you know, I wish that I knew uh, all the answers on how to do things right. You know, um, right. raising a child and instilling the best within them. You know, it's a bit ambiguous and it's different for everybody. Uh, I just wish I knew how things would affect him later in life. You know, everybody reacts to everything differently. Like a child growing up in an alcoholic home can either take the route and become an alcoholic himself or be a sober individual with absolutely no crutch. It really just depends on how he takes the whole situations. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly left with questions like, uh, is there resentment for me not being around as often as I should be? Does he know that he was supposed to be with me? Do I tell him how hard right. I am to fight and to be with him every day? Or do I leave that out? Does he know how much I love and care for him? Does he know that everything I do for him is, you know, is all for him? There are fears that are with me every day, but, you know, I say that no matter the fear, you know, I'm always going to do what I feel is right for him. Uh, once again, I'm raising an amazing young man, and he has a heart of gold, and he's way beyond his years, man. I mean, he's probably been through more than some adults that I know, and he's 11 years old, and he maintains the absolute best outlook on himself and the absolute best outlook on this beautiful thing we call life, you know. Uh, so I, I know that as long as I know I give him, you know, all of my love and all of my attention, you know, I think we'll be all right, you know, and I think it's okay to kind of have that that wish still be a little bit ambiguous. Just being able to go out there and just, you know, like, like we say, putting in the reps, you know, put in the reps of fatherhood, put in the reps mm -hmm. of being that father and just doing everything you can every single day, knowing that you're doing the best for your child, no matter what it is for you. No matter how uncomfortable it might feel or if, you know, those those negative thoughts creep up, just having that driving force saying, hey, I know I'm doing right or I know I'm doing the absolute best I can to show yeah. that I'm going to be the best father I possibly could be. You're absolutely right, man. You know, sometimes it's okay to live outside your comfort zone for a while, you know, but, you know, you just do what's right and you do what's best and, you know, things will go okay, I feel. Being uncomfortable is the only way you're going to learn to grow. That's the only way you become fearless at the end of the day. Perfectly yes, said. Right on. So when you're looking back at who you are, Mr. Ethan Sheen, I know, you know, we were growing up quite a bit, child of divorce too, a couple other siblings from just where we were. What are some things from your past, from your childhood that you instill in Avery? Uh, you know, the biggest thing is just uh, family is everything, man. You know, um, you know, I definitely had a tough childhood and upbringing, uh, but my family mm -hmm. was always there for me, man. You know, they never, they never quote unquote left me, even if they were you know, in another state or, you know, just not in my general vicinity. They've always been there showing me unconditional love and growth, you know. And, you know, something that I was taught that I truly try to pass on to Avery is having to accept fears and understanding that courage does not require an absence of fear. It requires you to push forward with those fears. You know, it's something that's ingrained in me. And I'll tell you, man, that being nervous is absolutely okay. You know, now allowing the fear or allowing that nervousness to cripple your mindset is not okay. You got to understand right. that things happen. You know, you got to follow through sometimes. You got to push those barriers and really face your fears. No matter the, the comfort levels that you have, it's just, it's huge, you know? I mean, I'll let you know, you know, I'm, I'm considered an expert panelist, quote unquote, and use that as you will. Uh, and I've been involved in press releases, interviews, a documentary, speaking engagements at colleges, and something that has always remained, no matter how many events I've done, is my nervousness before each and every event. It never goes away, you know? And no. I don't know if I'll ever be able to change that. But the way that I walk into a situation can be changed. The way that I handle my nerves and fears and keeping them well within my control, 
I would do a disservice to myself if I allowed my thoughts to cripple my actions. And I really think, you know, that should be a mindset that, you know, a lot of people hold to, you know, your thoughts may get away from you and you may get nervous, but I mean, the way that you physically walk into that situation is all dependent on how you move. That is absolute value. That is an absolute bomb of information right there, guys. Take that in, soak it up because I don't. I couldn't even say that better myself. Being that nervousness, being that unfamiliar or uncertain, and maybe not having the courage to do it, but having the confidence to stand up. Confidence builds courage, and mm-hmm. courage builds confidence. Like Ethan said, having that nervousness. He's done documentaries and speaking events. Always have that nervous feeling because it's something that you're passionate about. It's something that you love to do. And I don't care who you are. If it's something that you love to do, you're going to be nervous. Guess what? I've been doing this. I love talking. I love being a podcaster. But you better believe when I hit that record button, I get nervous. I do. <laughs> It'll always be there, man. You know, and it's that's okay. Always, <laughs> it, it, and that's absolutely okay. That is absolutely okay to be nervous because that means you're doing the right thing. That means you're going in on it. But it's how you take that nervousness is going to dictate the outcome. Are you going to let those negative thoughts impede on what your goal is? Are you going to say, yeah, you know what? Why am I doing this speaking event? Why am I interviewing for this documentary series? Why am I doing this? All you're telling yourself is, I shouldn't be doing this, when in all reality, you know you should be doing this because it's something you love and it's something you care about. And it's going to get you closer to the end result, whether it's family, work, whatever the case is, it's going to get you to that end goal, that end result that you want to be at. So that, that's yeah. an amazing thing to instill. Yeah. And you're absolutely right, Dave. Uh, you know, and, uh, I think that was perfectly worded there, buddy. This one, bit of a loaded question, but I feel these questions are always the best ones for our fathers who feel them so much. For you, what do you consider to be your biggest downfall or like your failure as a father? And what did you do in that time frame that helped you overcome what you felt as your biggest failure? Uh, You know, man, uh, I could definitely classify the biggest failure as just not knowing if I'm doing this father thing right, you know? Biggest failure would be that I'm not with Avery every single day. You know, I I live, you know, halfway across the country, man, you know, and uh, I I miss his daily development and the daily needs and, you know, just being there. I miss that so bad, and I feel like that's something that, you know, I definitely classify as a failure, and it scares the hell out of me, Dave. You know, uh, I am terrified, you know, each night that I'm not with him, that I'm not able to, you know, sit down before bed, give him a hug, you know, wish him a good night. You know, times have changed. Don't get me wrong. You know, right. we have video chats. We have the phone that we constantly are able to. Uh, but nothing is going to replace, you know, the feeling of being physically next to each other. And the way to com- combat that, man, I would just say is, you know, I, I just I know that we're, we're not all perfect and I'm going to accept that and all situations can't be perfect. And I'm going to accept that, you know, I really try to live life with zero regrets, man. I'll, I'll never forget, uh, but I absolutely won't look back. I'll allow everything to remain a lesson and allow it to kind of play out as it should. But I always must be diligent in ensuring that my son is loved, cared for, and secured. You know, that's how I kind of combat that. You know, I, I talk to him every single day that I possibly can. I video, you know, as often as possible. Uh, I'm always going to be there for Avery, and I'm never going to let my fears reflect on him. You know, I, I just I, I want him to know that I'm always there for him. And, you know, that's never, ever going to change, man. You know, he's an extension of me, you know? Right. And that extension, you know, I mean, not being, you know, physically present there, you know, creates a void, you know? I mean, so everything that I do 
you know, it has to have Avery in the forefront of my mind. I'm not out there partying every night. You know, I, I work in the cannabis industry, but trust me, you know, <laughs> my cannabis intake is probably near, not nearly as high as a lot of people think, you know, <laughs> I don't overdo it. I don't, you know, let it affect me to where, you know, I'm just a stereotypical stoner who likes the munchies and likes to giggle <laughs> at the end of the night. Granted, man, I love my giggles and I, I love the munchies, you know, but I'll you never let giggle. that. You are a giggle, dude, no doubt. <laughs> dude, you know I am. <laughs> buddy <laughs> so but yeah man you know I, i'm always going to ensure that everything that i do is you know in the best of avery's interest along with mine you know i always want to set an example and even being so far away i could still be a positive role model and set a great example for him you know it's been a difficult journey especially with you know his mother and i you know are falling out you know it's been really tough on both of us you know and uh going through the court system it's extremely hard man you know what i mean it's you got two parents here who absolutely love and adore their child and just have a difficult time trying to work it out with one another, you know? She has, you know, her her mindset of, you know, she's doing everything right and she can provide him the absolute best that she can. And I'm right there in the same boat. I feel like I want to do everything right and I can provide him the best that I can. And both of our thoughts and feelings are valid, you know what I mean? And who's to say that, you know, Avery should be with one parent rather than the other, you know? Avery needs right. both his parents through everything, you know? No matter, you know, the, the conflict that his mother and I have, you know, at the end of the day, we have to respect one another and we have to speak highly of one another. You know, Avery's a part of both of us. If you speak badly about part of him, you know, then he's going to feel bad, man. It's like, hey, that's half of me. It's not right. So I think it's I think it's a tough situation. And uh, we're both doing the best that we absolutely can. And uh, we feed him nothing but love. You know, we cherish him as much as possible. man. We're both kids of divorce. So would you say that that even like just having that mentality of I was a child of divorce, like helped with the communication and with making sure Avery has everything that he feels with going through that in your own childhood? You know, I, I think it does just a bit, you know, I mean, uh, I, I got to, you know, I got to experience it firsthand, you know, and I got to experience those nights to where if I was with my mom, I'd be missing my dad real hard, you know, and if right. I was with my dad, I'd be missing my mom real hard, you know. Uh, so I, I definitely think that's kind of helped me ensure that we never lose touch. You know, I, I always want to be there and be some type of influence for him every single day, just like I wish and need his mother to be the same. You know, when he's out here in the summer, I'm going to do everything in my power to ensure that he has a great relationship with his mom. He has a great relationship with his brother. You know, never, ever, you know, take away time uh, to be able to communicate to his mom. It's huge. And I definitely think that was picked up from, you know, being in that position as well. You know, not having both parents in the same household every single day. You know, it, it sucks, man. You know, it, it's rough. Things happen, you know, and the way you handle it is the defining, you know, action. So, and it always seems like it's that stigma of, well, you're the father, so you're automatically labeled the deadbeat, which means you automatically exactly. can't provide for your child the way that I could. And it becomes putting these negative thoughts about so-and-so in their ear. And then when you do get the child, you're putting negative thoughts about, you know, the, the other parent in their ear. All you're really doing then at that point is you're just really focusing all your hatred and anger towards this child and, and they don't know how to they don't know how to comprehend it because they don't have the same development that we that we're fully developed and we understand this stuff 
So you're absolutely right. It almost feels like these parents put these kids in the middle of something that they have no idea what's going on. All they know is they want mom and dad, Mm -hmm. but they don't know why they hate each other. Maybe hating them in the background, but never, never putting that on your child and saying your mom is this or your dad is that, but still being able to remain civil in front of the child so they know that they have loving, caring parents, I think is massive. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, one, you're putting the child in the middle of a situation to where he has, he shouldn't even be in that position to hear, you know, the type of negative talk between both. And you, you, you're putting him in a position to where, you know, you're, you're making him feel like half of him is bad. You can't do that, man. You know, that that's huge. That's critical. Because at the end of the day, you know, he'll grow up and he'll see it's like, man, you know, my, my dad was always ragging on my mom and my mom's always ragging on my dad. What What was the issue? Like, was it me? Because it felt like me, because I constantly was put in the middle of it all, you know? Like, so you don't want your child to grow up thinking that. Mutual respect is super huge. No matter the amount of resentment or rage that you feel when you get into, you know, tough conversations with that significant other, you know, no matter that, you always have to put your child in the forefront of your mind. There you go, guys. So take that, take those notes. Just remember the next time that you're so pent up and so raged on the significant other, on the baby mama whoever it is take that second walk away take 10 seconds breathe and just be cordial about it if you if you take the steps necessary to say hey i could do this and i don't want to put my kid in this situation you're being as fearless as you possibly could be that that is massive that is absolutely huge at the end of the day because you're taking those steps necessary don't fall into those thinking traps of oh, well, you're going to scream, so I'm going to scream louder because the louder I scream, the better I'm going to be and so on and so forth. It, it never works. It, it always ends in total failure for you and the child. Absolutely, man. That's a beautiful statement. And I hope all you fearless fathers out there are taking these notes. <laughs> Take these notes. <laughs> jot them down. Driving, who cares? Take those notes. So, we're going to move on. Since you did move pretty much halfway across the country, How did you prepare for that mentally, knowing this was going to happen? You know, Dave, unfortunately, I never had the chance to prepare myself, man. You know, Avery and his mother were actually supposed to be here with me for the transition to Colorado, actually. Uh, His mother and I, we were in a rocky situation for a few months before I actually made the move to Colorado. And we Mm -hmm. decided together that we would move, have a fresh start. That was what we've decided. Pennsylvania is great. It's beautiful. I love being home. You know, I wish the area was a little better, but that's home, baby. And I love it. But we both decided to have a fresh start. You know, I researched into the cannabis uh, industry uh, for months before actually making the move out to Colorado. And I felt confident enough to go out there and, you know, make something of it. And she was right there with, yeah, this is great. Let's do it. Let's have a fresh start. Well, about a month or two before moving, uh, his mom got a little cold feet and that's completely understandable, man. We were moving halfway across the country and there is no security. There there is no, there's no safety net beneath us for the leap we were about to take. Uh, So she stated, you know, I should come out, get established. So the transition would be, you know, much easier for Avery. And I was like, you know what? That makes absolute sense. You know, let me go out there. Let me get a set up. So you guys come out here and we can have a good life together. So I come out to Colorado April of 14. So April 2014. I started working actually in Strawberry Fields in May of 14. So it didn't take me long to get a job in the industry. In that same year of 2014, uh, in July, I actually discovered she was seeing someone else. And uh, it broke me, man. You know, I was severely depressed for a very long time. And I felt completely stuck, man. You know, I was 
at the time I was entry level, man, I was making $9 an hour manicuring plants, you know, all my funds were depleted basically in the first month of moving out here. You know what I mean? I was, I was, I was stuck. Didn't have much help from anywhere. I could definitely say that it's really taught me a lot and it taught me to prepare for things that are out of my control and how to, you know, maintain a positive mindset and handle that situation. But unfortunately I never got the, uh, the benefit of being able to prepare uh, for such a long time apart from my son you were completely taken 180 from this you thought that you know you were going to move halfway across the country clean slate start new with your family and then a month beforehand you were just completely blindsided for most people i mean you have that you're like why is the universe doing this to me what is going on that was the universe telling ethan hey this is your next step to be where you need to be this you're is right. why you spent months researching the cannabis industry this is why you took all these steps it was a crappy situation in the beginning but you were able to build upon that which i think which we're going to dive into here in a little bit you took that challenge that the universe said hey we're giving you what you can handle right now yes you were you were down you were down on your luck you felt like you lost a lot but you were able to turn that into more of a positive than just saying, well, now I'm stuck out here in Colorado with no money to my name and I have no way of getting back to Pennsylvania to see my kid. You're the chief retail officer right now. Walk us through those steps of like what happened from when you started in your entry level to getting to where you are. Uh, well, you know, the initial thought process was that I researched enough about it and, you know, it was a booming industry out here that it would be, you know, kind of easier than I expected. So I came out here and I realized that I was a little more naive than I thought. You know, the first couple of weeks, uh, calling cannabis dispensaries and you know i'm walking into places asking questions and seeing if they're hiring and everybody was kind of just brushing me away like oh yeah here's a transplant from out of state who's trying to come in and take advantage <laughs> of the green rush you know what i mean so uh, i definitely felt naive the steps that i really took was just never stopping man i got to about you know maybe like two three weeks in and you know i was just having a hard time you know finding a, a team that i could join it was difficult man you know like i said my funds were depleted so i mean that week three, man, you know, I had to bite the bullet and I started applying everywhere. There was a gym across yeah. the street from where I was living. There was a Wendy's right down the block. I was handling in applications everywhere. <laughs> I didn't care what I had to do, but I just needed some income. I found a Craigslist ad and it was real subliminal. It didn't necessarily state like cannabis or anything <laughs> like that. It just stated how it was... An indoor warehouse job where you're dealing with plants. You had to obtain a badge through the MED. And that's when I immediately knew that this is a cannabis job. The MED, it's our regulators here in Colorado. It's a division called the Marijuana Enforcement Division. Okay. So as soon as I saw that keyword in there, man, I was like, done. I'm applying, you know. And it was straight up. It was like, this job is not pretty. It's not glamorous. And I was like, that's great. You know what I mean? It's cannabis. You know, I'm getting in there. So I applied for it through Craigslist, man. And, uh, you know, I got a call back. A gentleman wanted to set up an interview with me at a, at a hotel. I had no idea what team it was going to be, what dispensary it was or anything. Basically just some guy that, you know, posted a Craigslist ad I replied mm -hmm. to is telling me to go meet him in a hotel lobby. And I was we like, know how you those know, stories go. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, you know, still being naive, I was like, all for it. <laughs> no, but uh, I have an interview with the guy and uh, it was great. You know, it was a really, really good interview. Uh, I thought I did fairly well, but he called me back the next day and he was like, hey man, unfortunately, you know, there was a candidate who had a lot of experience in regards to, you know, like computer work. And that's kind of like what we're looking for right now. Uh, broke me, man. I was devastated. I was like, fuck, dude, I totally sure. fucked up my choice, man. Why didn't I like put on, why didn't I embellish a little bit of my computer, computer skills? What was I thinking, <laughs> you know? 
Yeah. Uh, but luckily, uh, about less than a week later, he actually uh, he gave me a call back and said the last candidate didn't really work out. And I stuck out in his interview and he'd love to have me on the team. And I was ecstatic, man. I was like, oh, my God, dude, that's it. You know what I mean? This is my shoe in, man. I can't wait to, to get started. And he proceeds to tell me he was like, all right, this is what's going to happen, man. Uh, we're actually going to meet at uh, a Home Depot parking lot in Southgate, which is uh, a little part of town in Colorado Springs. Uh, so I was like, great, you know, team meeting, you know, Home Depot parking lot sounds a little strange but i'm all for it you know what i mean thank you for giving me the shot so i get there that day of the team meeting and i'm sitting in my car and i got a shirt tucked in i did my hair i got a little notebook for the day and i'm pumped i'm ready to get started man you know so i got there a little early man and i'm hanging out i'm the only one in the parking lot and about like 715 720 rolls around right and uh, i see this big shady white van pull into the parking lot right and these two guys hop out and they start smoking a cigarette and I give it like a minute and I was like, you know, what? maybe they're here for the team meeting. Let me go introduce myself. I go up to the two guys and I was like, hey, uh, I'm Ethan. You know, are you guys here for a team meeting? And they're like, yeah, get in the van. And I was like, all right. You know? <laughs> I kind of assessed the situation, of course. You know, they weren't the most intimidating individuals. <laughs> However, man, I'm in Colorado. You know, I'm, this is, I put everything on the line. I'm going for it. I'm facing this fear and, you know. If it goes the wrong way, I will not go down without a fight. And, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been real. It's been good, you know. Uh, so I get in the van and I'm hanging out in there. And another guy who was starting that day, uh, he was actually very sketched out and uh, he never got in the van. And that kind of threw me off a little bit. Uh, but, you know, since he was in a similar situation, you know, I figured, like, got to be legit, right? When I got in the van, all the windows are blacked out. And there is a blackout <laughs> curtain from the drivers to the back of the van. Nothing uh, sketchy so, <laughs> about that at all. Nothing exactly, sketchy. Exactly, right? Uh, so, you know, I'm there and then all of a sudden, you know, a few more people, uh, start coming into the van and I started to feel comfortable, you know, I'm introducing myself, all great people. And, uh, and then everybody's in the van, uh, they shut the door. We're in a blacked out van. Uh, we drive for about five, five minutes or so. And then, uh, we park, you hear garage doors open. We drive up a little bit and then you hear the garage doors close. So not knowing what the hell to expect when that door opens, you know, I'm sitting there like, well, this is it, you know, I'm ready. Uh, but luckily they open the doors and I'm in just a giant warehouse. I step out, man. And we're immediately in like a, a big, large open break room. They have us follow them for a quick orientation. I start walking down a long corridor, man. And their flower room, basically where our flowering plants would be at was open. And I walk past that door and I just see gigantic cannabis plants, man. And it just blew my mind. I was like, all right, well, it's real. This is it. You know, I'm here now. And that kind of was my experience getting with the company. Uh, but from there, man, you know, I was assigned a lower level, entry level trimmer. I was manicuring plants, man. You know, basically they said like everybody has to, you know, be in the trim room for at least like 60 days. And I was just like, man, I didn't come out to Colorado for this. So I was very vocal and adamant that, you know, hey, guys, I could be, you know, much better utilized. You know, uh, right, I had a little bit right. of experience in pharmaceuticals, like aseptic processes and trainings. Okay. Uh, so I had a little bit of pharmaceutical experience experience that I thought could really help me. So I really tried to sell myself like, hey, guys, you know, get me out of that room because I could help you in that room. And uh, I believe I was one of the, the quicker ones to leave the trim room, I guess, because I was so adamant. Uh, but from there, I moved on into the growing side. So I was actually taking care of the plants and, you know, mixing nutrients. Slowly but surely, I got scouted for, uh, for front of house. Front of house is basically like the dispensary side. You know, they loved my attitude and they, you know, loved my professionalism and they thought that I would be a great fit for 
um, uh, a bud tender, they call them. Like you're at equivalent of a bartender. I got scouted for management then. In that year of managing our medical dispensary, which was in uh, Colorado Springs, we were going through uh, an expansion. We were breaching into the retail world of marijuana. Uh, so we immediately got two stores retail that opened up. And one we knew was going to take off, man. I mean, uh, the location's amazing. We just had a really good feeling about this location. And nice. it blew the hell up, bro. I mean, this dispensary, still to this day, we average over 500 transactions a day at this place. Wow. Over 500 bodies coming into this location. And it was just a hit. Uh, so I took over that store, and then uh, within another year, uh, we had then about three to four stores. So I went up to district management, and then just as of December of 2019, I got promoted and took on the uh, the chief retail officer. Basically, it's my job uh, and accountability for everything front-facing and retail uh, in Colorado, uh, as well as uh, we have a store out in Maryland, a few in Missouri coming up. So Oh, wow. You're going national. We're going national, baby. You know, national, uh, baby. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was a lot of information. And I think that was some of the best information that you could have given outside of some of the other questions we had today. So I'm going to break that down really quick for our listeners. What Ethan did, his chips were down. He was out of it. He was running out of money. He didn't know which way to turn, applying any which way he could. And what did he do? He found a sketchy ad on Craigslist. Something in his mind told him to go for it. He went in for it. He was all set. And then he gets turned down. The motivation's a little lost. Everything's a little crushing. Everything's a little damning. And then what happens? It turns around and says, hey, listen, we like what you talked about in your interview. We want to bring you on. He's writing up there at that point. And then the meeting, the this, this Home Depot meeting, I think will live on in my mind forever because <laughs> this is an absolute amazing. It's funny as hell. And it's something that you only see in like workaholics yeah, or some right. other some other sitcom. But I think it has some of the best lesson that you can get out of there as being fearless. You're in this Home Depot parking lot. It's not even 730 in the morning and this sketchy white van comes up out of nowhere. And you're just like, hey, are you guys here for the meeting? Yeah, get in. Like you're told not to do that. But <laughs> going against the grain a bit. But you go against the grain. You went against what you were taught and you said, all right, you assess the situation and said, cool, let's do this. And then, like you said, there was another guy there who was all sketched out, who didn't want to enter the van. He took that normal approach of this is messed up. I don't like this. I'm going to back away from the situation. Two completely people starting the same day in a job. One said, I'm going to get uncomfortable here and I'm going to go forward for it. I'm just going to jump in the van and we're going to see what happens here. Another one said, eh, this is this is a little jacked up for me. I'm done. I'm out of here. And then what happens? Because of Ethan's passion, because of something that he loves dearly, he said, listen, guys, you know, you're putting me in this room, manicuring plants. I could do more. I am worth more than what you're telling me I am. Just because you do this with other people does not mean that you should do this with me. I'm worth more and I'm going to show you I'm worth more and took skills from somewhere else that he already knew he had and put forward. And from there, I think the timeline was what, about five years, five, six years that you went from trimming and manicuring plants to now you're the chief retail officer of a company that's going national. Because you took the passion, you took something that you cared so much about, put the time in, put the thought process in, and said, you know what, I have this. Other people might doubt me, but I have this. And the same thing with fatherhood, guys. 
It's the same thing. You know, one person might tell you, hey, you have to do it this way for your entire life. Go with your instinct. Go with that intuition that says, no, man, jump in the van. See where it takes you because it's going to take you farther than you ever know. That is, I think, some of the best audio that I think we've had in quite a while. That's great. It's a story for the books, you know what I mean, man? It is. It's definitely a wild ride, and you summed it up perfectly, man, you know? We have just a couple more questions that we're going to sit in here. Going into this, you know, being that we're in such a negative world, and especially being that you're, you know, halfway across the country from, from your child, when you're having those negative days or you're having those negative thoughts, what are some things that you do that helps you combat those negative thoughts? Uh, you know, the biggest thing uh, is just think of all the good in your life and in your world, you know. Uh, you could allow yourself to get hung up on negative feelings and situations that puts you, your mind in a, in a very negative state, you know, just surrounding yourself with the negativity and allowing it to kind of have a hold on you uh, will keep you there. Uh, you must be able to drown out the negative with something positive. And, uh, you know, a big eye opener to this was actually my brother, uh, my brother, Josh. He really opened my eyes. Josh, what's up? Hope you're listening, bud. Uh, you know, uh, Dave, I'm a very <laughs> curious person, man. You know, I'm a big nerd. I love learning. I oh, want to yeah. learn things about life, everything about life, you know, the good and the bad. And this might take a little bit of a turn, but I remember a time to where, you know, my curiosity almost turned morbid. You know, I would read and I would watch some fucked up things in the, about the world. And it was mainly to educate myself, man, and bring an understanding to all difficult aspects of life, a morbid curiosity. It was tough, man, you know, and I, I, I can't say it was tough. It put me in some tough situations, but I think it's really taught me a lot about life. You know, well, I was stuck in a rut, you know, for a few weeks. And I remember talking to my brother. And I expressed how bad that I felt and, you know, I expressed about seeing all this kind of evil that exists in the world on my own intentions. You know, I, I, I sought this out. I wanted it to teach me something about life, yeah. you know, and, you know, side note, bo both my brothers, they're war vets, you know, uh, one's infantry, one's Cav Scout. Uh, they've both seen multiple tours of combat and experienced evil very firsthand. Uh, and it was in that conversation with my brother when I was really down and low about all the fucked up shit in the world uh, that he told me, man. And it's something I'm never going to forget. He said, there may be a lot of fucked up shit in the world, but there's also a lot of good, man. Think about that. Dave, mm -hmm. that changed me forever. Just a simple sentence. I just needed somebody to say that to me, you know? There's there's a lot of negative thoughts that people have every single day. But to combat that, man, you must think and appreciate about all the good that is in life. You know, something as simple as a, a beautiful smile of a stranger or something as large as, you know, the many peace groups out there that go out of their way to risk their lives to restore faith in humanity. People that put a, a smile on people's faces and help them get to a better place. That's amazing. You know what I mean? That's going to make me feel a million times better than I could thinking about any of the, the poor souls in this world who have it much worse than, you know, a lot of us may think. You know, a lot of us may think, you know, hey, I don't have a car. You know, my life sucks. Or, you know, I was late for work. My life sucks. Man, life sucks bad for a lot of people, man. You know, it could always be worse. It could always be better. But you can't allow yourself to get stuck in that negative rut. You know what I mean? You'll never get out if, you know, it's constantly on your mind, just weighing you down. It just continues to build and build and build and build. You know, so, I mean, eliminate that negativity, man. I mean, the next time you, you get into that negative, you know, mind frame, you know, think about something good, man. Think about your child. Think about your yeah. wife. Think about the beauty of life. You know what I mean? Think about anything that's good. And I promise you that you will get out of that mindset, you know, as quickly as possible. 
like Ethan said, you know, you wake up, you go to work and you're like, I hate my job. I hate this. I'm, I'm horrible. This is horrible. Oh my God. I can't believe I was late. Damn it. Dinner was burned. This, that, and the other. All you're doing is just spewing this negativity. Instead of that, when you wake up and you say, man, I woke up today, man, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy that I have a job where I get paid to take care of my kids. Oh man, I'm in traffic. That's cool. Now I get to jam out to some more music. And you turn that into a massive positive. That one negative can become a massive positive and you build it one day at a time, one step at a time. You practice exactly what, we're, what we preach. And I know you just started listening to us too. So that, that's also appreciated. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you, Dave. You know, I just want to say that, you know, you got you and uh, your co-host, man, you guys are doing something amazing. And I love how you're kind of stepping out of the norm and stepping out of the comfort zone and allowing, you know, us fathers to come on here and discuss, you know, some of our fears, some of the things that run through our mind. Like, you know, like anytime that something's getting negative in my world, you know, I think about things like this, man, people like you, you know what I mean? Putting yourself on the line to help other individuals man you know what i mean what you're doing is 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 amazing dave and i commend you man so keep this up and i want to keep on listening to this you know as as, as long as you're around i expect it to be a very healthy and virtuous career for you man you know just keep up the great work that means the absolute world to me Ethan. thank you this is something that like we said there's strength in numbers we battle this stigma so much in silence every single day this is why we do what we do we do it for you guys we do it for the ones who don't feel like they have a voice so thank you we're running a little bit out of time here, so I have just a couple more questions just to wrap this all up nicely for our fathers today. What is the one thing, the one thing that you want to drive home to our fathers today? Uh, you know, we may not know what's right and wrong in parenting, uh, but always remember that if you feed your child nothing but love and attention and affection, things are going to be okay, man. You know, you know, and I want separated parents to understand that the child is a big part of both of you and your communications and your actions should reflect that. No matter how difficult the other parent is, a child should never, ever, ever be put in the middle of the drama. You know, always speak highly of one another, especially in front of your child, but also behind those closed doors. And trust me, I know how difficult it is, but I also know how refreshing it could be on your mind. So there's your call to action, guys. Put the love, put the effect, put the relationship of your child for for especially you've separated fathers out there. Say something nice to that significant other, whether your child's around or not. For our fathers listening today that may be with their significant other, just start thinking of positive thoughts. One positive thought a day turns into two, turns into five, turns into 20, turns into 100. For our separated fathers out there who just feel like they can't get ahead and they're always in a battle with their baby mama, whoever, with their ex, say something nice to them. When they're starting to hound you, when they're starting to say this, when they're starting to say that, just start saying those nice, positive things. Just start having a normal, calm conversation. And you're probably telling me, I've tried that. It doesn't work. It's useless. It's pointless. It's only pointless and it's only useless when we stop doing it. When it becomes consistent, when it becomes a tangible effect, you're going to see a massive shift in both of you. Me and Ryan preach it constantly. Communication is key. Whether you're together or separated, that communication is what's going to drive everything forward and you want to have a positive communication so there's your call to action today in this episode boys so ethan last question to wrap this up in your own words what does it mean for you to be a fearless father you know i think being a fearless father is all about riding into the storm with no worries about what's going on inside of it man 
getting through hell to get to your child without fear or harm. You know, it's climbing a mountain or running a marathon without thinking of the size or distance and staring fear right in those pupils and standing your ground, man. You know, it's got to be accepting the fear that's inside of you and facing it with a smile and a positive attitude. So there you go, guys. Thank you for tuning in today to our interview with Mr. Ethan Sheen. Thank you for being a listener to this podcast. Going hard, going strong. We do this for you guys. We do it for the fathers who feel they have no voice, who feel that that stigma is the only thing keeping you together. Together, we're going to embrace that fear. We're going to become stronger because of it. If you like what we do and you want to support us any way you can, go check out our Teespring store. Link is in the description. Check us out on Patreon. Anything you could do to support us, $1, $5, buy a mug, our shameless buy a mug plug. There you go. We have a buy a mug mug now. Go check it out. Father's Day is right <laughs> around that corner. Go You're check not it out. Go pick one up, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you could do to help support this podcast is going to go a long way. It's going to be able to give us more content. It's going to be able to give us more information, more episodes like this. If you want to be interviewed and you want to share your stories with us, Hit us up on email, fearlessfatherspodcast at gmail.com. Reach out to us. We love hearing your guys' stories. If you want to remain anonymous, we can work that as well, too. We just want to be able to give you that voice that says, hey, I can get through this. I could weather this storm, and I could look fear right in the face and say, you're wrong. This is a difficult road we're on, but we never have to go it alone. Thank you for tuning into the Fearless Fathers Podcast, and together, we'll embrace the fear. Fear.